Have you ever sat through a Release Society lesson? Heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you? Then wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today I'm here with Kate Holbrook, who is the Manager of Women's History in the Church History Department, and Katie Perez, who's here to share her thoughts about this discourse that we've all read. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. The talk that we're going to talk about today is called Gaining Light Through Questioning by Sister Julie Willis, and it is included in the book At the Pulpit, which is a compilation of discourses given by women throughout uh, the history of the church. As this is one of the very first podcast episodes, Kate, we'd love to hear a little more about At the Pulpit, what it is, why it's important. Sure. At the Pulpit is a collection of women's discourses uh, from the earliest days of the church up until most recent days of the church. To put this book together, my colleague Jenny Reeder and I went through and we found every talk we could get our hands on. We were looking through old Relief Society minute books, old Relief Society magazines, conference reports, area conference reports, everything we could find to find talks that women had given. And then we looked for those talks that had real theological analysis in them, that were gripping, that felt important those talks that after we read them, we wanted to go post something on Facebook or tweet or just call our mom, you know, and tell them about the talk. So that's how we chose which ones ended up in the book. Oh, great. And I love that you said that because with this talk, I did call my mom (laughs) and I did tell her some things that I got out of it. So that's perfect. Let's talk about Julie Willis. What's her story? Julie Willis is a scientist. So her whole professional life is geared around the skill of asking questions and learning how to ask questions and pursue answers skillfully in a way that builds understanding for everybody, including her. And she credits her parents with helping her with not squelching this tendency in her when she was little because she loved, she's a geologist and even as a little girl, she loved colored rocks. And she had so many questions about rocks. And instead of asking her to be quiet, her parents would just answer questions or they'd point her in directions where she could find answers to her questions. And she learned from this that questions were safe and that they were building blocks that could be, have the potential to be. And she learned slowly how to find reliable answers to her questions. So now she works with her students. Now she's the chair of the geology department at BYU-Idaho. And what she really tries to help her students do is learn how to ask questions. Often they'll want her to tell them what the question should be for them. And she insists they have to figure out what question matters to them. And then she helps them figure out how to responsibly pursue the answer. And she says that in preparing for this talk, she had a couple different topics in mind. And when she basically was praying for verification, you know, about one of these topics, she received the impression to talk about questions and questioning. And she said it's due to recent um, controversy of questioning. What can you tell us about that? Well, the, she she felt that the answer to her prayer would be, you can choose either topic to speak on. They're both good. And instead, the answer was, don't talk about either one of those. Talk about questions. So it felt like a real, a wow. new and a very clear direction that was given to her. When she gave the talk, there was a lot going on in the news about questions. And there were people trying to say, 
asking questions is dangerous. And there were other people trying to say, we're not doing anything destructive here. We're just asking questions, which was disingenuous. They were doing something destructive. But but the climate was really charged. And so the, the timing for this talk and this guidance she gave people was really um, helpful, although it was only a few years ago. And I feel like we're in the same boat right, now. Yeah. yeah, it's very relatable. And not just because it was a few years ago. I love how she starts out by saying that it's our heritage of asking questions and seeking answers. And I didn't really know what she meant by that at first, but she shares how basically the restoration of the the gospel started, and it was with Joseph Smith. She says, The prophet Joseph's pattern of asking and seeking was foundational to the restored church of Jesus Christ and continues to be encouraged by many church leaders today. As an example, I was in the BYU Eye Center a few years ago when Sister Julie B. Beck, former General Relief Society president, conducted a women's meeting in which she encouraged us to formulate questions about life and the gospel. She then invited a few to share their questions. Rather than just answering them, Sister Beck opened her scriptures and helped us discover the answers together. And I was just thinking, how would our experiences with gospel study be changed if that were something that we did more often? I had lunch with a colleague today, and we were talking about the early chapters of the Doctrine and Covenants. His name's Robin Jensen. And he said, we are a church of questioners. The Doctrine and Covenants revelations were responses to questions, but we mostly only recorded the answers. So it comes across as though we're a church of answerers. <laughs> but the oh, truth wow. is there were questions behind all of those answers. And and they all, everybody who was new and joined the church and tried to make sense of it, they they came to it with questions and and the questions made it possible for them to grow. You're right. I don't think people, I, I think people feel like it's a gospel of answers and not, and that they're maybe not punished for questioning, but maybe misunderstood and looked down upon. And, and I feel that way when people ask me questions, I'm like, wait, but I know the answer. Why are you asking this question? Like, that's something that you know, I, I understand, but I just need to kind of step back and say, I have questions too. And changing our perspective to realize that we are a gospel of questions and that is our heritage. I loved that word. Yeah. Well, and I just like how it's like working together to figure out the answer together. So there's not one higher than the other. There's not one that knows all the answers and everyone else is just below them. It's, I love the concept of working together to find the answers together. I like that. Yeah. And we all have our own some things that we know and some things that we don't. So we need each other in this process. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She breaks her talk down into different types of questions that we have. And one of them that she says is questions on gospel doctrine. And I think that's something that's very relatable today. And she suggests taking gospel questions to the temple each time we attend. And that to me was a little bit overwhelming because when I go to the temple, I'm like, oh, now I have to think of a question. <laughs> I can't just go and and get answers to prayers or, you know, sit peacefully and, and enjoy, which she said that she does. But I was thinking it could maybe be the same doctrinal question that I go to the temple with for years. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's so much to learn. And she says, if we don't ask doctrinal questions in our temple attendance and scripture study, we miss an essential key to progress and the joy of receiving revelatory light. And so I think that's an important thing to remember about questions is we're asking so that we can have joy and have light in our lives. And in addition to that, peace and direction. 
Questions also bring energy to what we're doing. That's what I feel um, happens in my scripture study. If I have a particular question, especially if I'm preparing to teach something, then there's all of this energy and focus. Whereas if I don't have a question, I can just sort of read the same verse five times or, mm-hmm. you know, do- doze in and out. So I think there is an important role for them. And Yeah. And I, I loved what you said too, Shaylin. I actually wrote that down too. Questions are the key to progress. I love that because you don't think about not progressing. You're just like, oh, I don't need to ask questions because, you know, for me, it's like sometimes I don't even think about asking those. I don't f- maybe find something wrong with things that are going on in the world. And so I don't think of questions to ask. And then you think something's <clears throat> wrong with you or, yes, you know, that you do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I think it's, it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to not question if we don't have the questions. Yes. One thing that reading this talk changed in me was because I'm also a person who I just love, I love going to church. I love doing my ministering. You know, I don't, I'm not torn up inside about things, but I found that it's part of my responsibility to other people to not be lazy about questions. Because if I search something through and, and, and figure it out according to my own expertise, mm-hmm. then I can do a lot of good that way. So I, I've also came to think reading this, oh, maybe there's part of me as a parent or as a historian that has a responsibility to see some of these questions through. I think there's a danger when we talk about asking questions about comparing our level of understanding of the gospel with other people's and their ability to receive answers in specific ways when we're not receiving those answers that, you know, as quickly or in the way that they do, um, especially when it comes to questions that lead to guidance. So when we're deciding where should I live? What, what job should I take? Where should I go to school? You know, depending on where we are in our lives, some people get very specific answers to those questions. And most people don't. She points out that that's rare. And so I think she is giving us kind of a, a caution that sometimes you won't get an answer. Your answer will be silence, but that silence can be a, a strong vote of confidence from the Lord. And I thought that was such a neat a neat concept when you're struggling thinking the Lord's not answering my prayers. Maybe he's saying, I know that you are going to make these right decisions and I trust you. Mm-hmm. As we've moved and, and prayed about different, exactly houses to, to move to or jobs to get. It's like, sometimes I think that the choice that we make and the father's like, and that's okay. Whatever you decide, that's a good choice. But I have felt that at times if there's no answer that I'm getting, I'm like, I need your help. Where are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think it's helpful that she puts choices or questions in categories. So those kinds of direction questions, we don't get an answer. It can be a vote of confidence. Yes. If it's a doctrinal question, we might still not get an answer or it might take a long time to get that answer. And she talked about how she had to learn you don't have a tantrum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You don't shut down. You don't put the whole gospel on a shelf if you need to put the question on a shelf for a little while. But you have to approach these questions that end up being long-term with some maturity and just give them the space they need. She talked about a question she had when she was young. She was prayerful about it. And when she'd see something relevant to the question, she would take it in and make sense of it. 
And she thought that she had answered this question for herself. And then when she was preparing her talk, this talk, her daughter sent her something to read that was unrelated, and it filled in an additional missing piece. So she felt like now this thing that had been a source of discomfort, this question that she'd had for decades, was now a source of brilliant light in her life because of the patience she put in and the work she put in over a long time. One thing that I thought is, how can we be patient while it sits on the shelf? Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) My question. (laughs) Well, I I love that you said that because that was one of my favorite parts of the talk is to put the question on the shelf and not the gospel on the shelf. Yeah. Um, Because she, I believe she says you should be still going to church and fulfilling your callings and responsibilities. And by doing that, you're not a hypocrite. You know, if you don't know the answer to this question and you're not saying like, I'm fine with this question not being answered. You're saying I'm fine to have patience. And then maybe that's something that we need to pray for. A question that we ask is how do we have the patience? (laughs) (laughs) But I loved that. And then sometimes she says that the answer or yeah, the answer to the question can be, I don't know, but maybe it's not, I don't know forever, which I thought was, was important to remember is that sometimes we don't know and we might not know for years to come until we are more spiritually mature to be able to understand and when it can be a bigger blessing to our life. Yeah. And sometimes answers come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's not always a years long process. Right. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll be praying to understand a scripture because I need to teach it in gospel doctrine class and I'll pause and listen and there it is. You know, it just comes to my mind. So one time when I was, I had been praying to see if I wanted to, I wanted to go on a mission and I was seeing if that was something that was in God's plan for me and it was going to be part of my life. And I was eating a bowl of cereal <laughs> and the answer came when I was reading my scriptures and I had the spoon halfway to my mouth. I just remember it hit me. And so it's neat and reassuring that sometimes that is a way that we do get answers. Yeah. Is, it can be immediate. What was the answer? Uh, the answer was yes. <laughs> and I went <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> so another category of questions that uh, Sister Willis talks about is questions about human suffering. And a lot of times they do start with the question, why? You know, why is this happening to me? Or why is this happening uh, to my family or somebody I don't know or the world? You know, why? And she kind of gives this example that it's like, why was my prayer to find my car keys answered when I lost them? But why are my prayers not answered when I'm asking to find a spouse? These more heavy questions I think she illustrates the point that sometimes the, the why has nothing to you to do with you or with Heavenly Father. Why? Well, because the man was driving drunk and so he hit your mom or mm-hmm. you, your body makes cancer. So the why is just because, but God can be with you in the why. But there are, and this was a little bit um, new to me to think about, there are why questions that you can get an answer to but she makes the point that it's a very individual answer. And she said that her, her father was a physician and it was very important to him never to say a why, give a reason to one of his patients for their illness. It wasn't for him to say. But somebody who them, herself is experiencing an illness can come to an understanding of what role this suffering might play in her life. But it's not our business to define the why's for each other, but but she did give me hope that there is the possibility of finding that answer. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that um, because that's helpful for me too and that I might have the same illness as somebody else, but our whys could be completely different. And yeah. I think that's important to have empathy about that. 
as we conclude, I just want to share this last quote from um, Sister Willis's talk. She said, I affirm that questioning is part of our religious heritage, that there are many types of questions that can bring light into our lives, and that asking questions, even about difficult subjects, is not taboo. Open dialogue and sharing insights on similar struggles are part of building a community of saints. And I just think that that's important to remember that we are trying to build one another up as we as we build the kingdom of God and having questions is part of that. So today, as we've talked about um, this, this talk, Gaining Light Through Questioning by Julie Willis, it's actually a bonus chapter in At the Pulpit. And Kate, I just wanted to ask you, why do you think this particular discourse is included in At the Pulpit? Sometimes questioning gets a bad rap or it's... A, it, equated with doubting. And we thought this talk was really important for us today to be able to look at both the guidance it gives us on how to be an effective, how to ask effective questions, how to find good answers, and just the insight that questions can be a really positive opportunity for growth, depending on how we approach our questions. And we just encourage you to read this full talk. These talks are available in the book At the Pulpit, and you can find this book on your Gospel Library app. It's available in English, Spanish, and Portuguese, and it's also available online at churchhistorianspress.org. And thank you so much again to Kate and Katie for sharing your insights. We are very lucky to have both of you here with us today. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Shaylin Back. And we hope that you join us next time as we continue talking about the powerful discourses from Latter-day Saint women.